0: Good afternoon everyone i am very delighted to see those of you who are here i am more than delighted i am truly privileged for two reasons the occasion that brings us all here and the fact that every single person gathered before me is counted so precious in the sight of god that he sent his son to die for you for that reason more than any other i am highly highly privileged to be with you. Is that Elder Reed that I see sitting over there? Elder Reed, please stand. Let me show you a giant in the service of God. Say amen, please. This is Elder Zadok Reed, the last church I pastored. Would you believe he was my assistant? Some things are just wrong. He was my assistant. A tremendous man who has served God almost maybe 60 years, I am guessing. So I feel very encouraged by the presence of Elder Reed with us today. It is now 18 minutes according to this expensive looking clock. After 12, I will release you by 10 minutes to 1. That is an ironclad lifetime guarantee. Do not worry. Do you understand? 10 minutes to 1, I am done every day for the 12 o'clock meeting. The same does not hold true for the evening i understand i have a little more chronological latitude so it will be a little longer but for this morning or early day session i will be done by 10 minutes to one i want to let you know that the first sermons of the day will not contain as much meat as the evening sermons for very obvious reasons i will have more time in the evening and i say that deliberately to entice you to come both in the afternoon and in the evening you cannot lose and you will not lose i urge you to bring your friends and i seriously mean it when i say bring your enemies because the messages that they hear will convert them from your enemies to your friends and this is the truth the whole truth And nothing but the truth our message for today what I like about Mohammed what I like about Mohammed let us if we can bow our heads reverently and pray our father in heaven this is more serious than perhaps any one of us imagines we are in your presence you are unseen but you are here in the presence of your spirit Father, upon me lies the burdensome responsibility of delivering the words of life as you communicate them to me. Lord, I beg you from my heart, because I am made of dirt, the message passing out of me is subject to contamination. Lord, to prevent that, I ask you to grant me the presence of your Spirit, the Spirit of truth, that He may speak through me That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be acceptable in your sight i offer this prayer in jesus name and for his sake amen what i like about mohammed i have always said to friends and to myself that i wish god would give me the power to go back in time and spend a few days with certain individuals about whom I have read in the pages of history. I can think of that great military genius, Alexander the Great. I would have loved to have spent a few weeks traveling with him as he went from Macedonia, conquering his way all the way to India. I would have loved to have sailed with Christopher Columbus as he, within the safety of quotation marks, discovered the New World. I would have loved to have spent at least five minutes on the ark as it rode the global flood waters. I would have loved to have stood in the back of a crowd and watched Jesus as he said, Lazarus come forth and to see that man come forth. I would have loved to have been on the battlefields of the Crimea in the 1850s and watched Florence Nightingale with her lamp going from sick soldier to wounded soldier. I would have loved to have been with Marco Polo as he made his historic journeys to the East. But here I am, positioned in the 21st century, and I cannot do that. But there are some men I really, really would have loved to have met. One is Confucius. I would love to have met Confucius. Confucius was born at a time when the feudal system of china was collapsing all around him there were wars as feudal lords battle for supremacy and for control his father was about 70 years old and his mother about 17 when confucius was born tradition says that the father was a huge man a very gifted warrior and particularly ugly that's what tradition says and confucius true to the line of genetic inheritance We're told he was born a particularly unattractive child, a large head all out of proportion to the rest of his frame. But perhaps the size of his head presaged the wisdom with which he would bless the whole world. Confucius taught very succinctly that the value of a person was not to be found in the person's connections, the person's lineage, the person's genetics. But the value of a person should be measured by the quality of life that that person lived, by the quality of deeds that the person carried out and performed. Confucius believed that through education and learning and the development of the mind, the basest person could be elevated to the level of the nobility purely by effort and work and following principles that are noble, uplifting, and do no damage to one's neighbor. Now, how can someone argue with principles like that? I admire the principle of hard work. It is biblical. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And that has Confucianism written all over it, in the sense that Confucius believed in hard work, and the Bible preaches hard work. And so I admire that teaching. That man encouraged people to develop the mind, develop the manners, and develop the morals. How can anyone object to that body of instruction? And these instructions have influenced and changed the lives of millions through the ages. And today, millions of people follow the teachings of Confucius almost as if those teachings constitute a religion. I admire Confucius. And Confucius died in about 479 before the birth of Christ, at about the age of 70, 71. About the time Confucius lived, one of his contemporaries was another outstanding person called Buddha. And Buddha was born to privilege, royalty, lived in a palace until his later teenage years when he came into contact with the suffering in the larger world, outside of his world. He was born in what is now Nepal, and when Confucius saw the suffering and the sickness and the poverty he set himself to try to answer the fundamental questions in life why do people die why do people suffer why is there sickness why is it from the journey from the womb to the tomb is plagued by suffering and tribulation and trial and buddha dedicated himself to coming into contact with a higher source of knowledge, the light. He wanted to enlighten himself. Actually, the word Buddha means the enlightened one. Buddha taught that human beings should not be controlled by material things. He didn't say they should not have them. He taught they should not be controlled by material things. And Jesus Christ said precisely the same thing. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things that he possesseth. And we see that plague among us today. People measure themselves by the kind of car they drive. They measure themselves by the neighborhood in which they live. They measure themselves by the friends with which they associate. They measure themselves by the label that is displayed at the back of their shirts, on the back of their backpacks. And this outstanding man, Buddha, he preached that we ought not to be tied by materialism, but we should rise to a higher level of living so that we're not tied to that kind of life, but we understand what material things do. We use them for a greater good, but we are not in that process materialistic. He taught that, among other things. Buddha taught that we should always try to use right words. We should entertain right thoughts. we should do the right kind of work, and also work hard. I admire that man. The Bible says, "By your words, ye shall be condemned. By your words, ye shall be justified." Jesus said, every idle word a man speaks, he shall give an account in the judgment. And this man, Buddha, said, we must watch our words, watch our deeds, watch our thoughts, watch our ambitions, our aspirations. So that whatever we give off is not negative, it is positive. I admire some of the teachings of Buddha. And then this outstanding man died. In 570 A.D., in the Arabian Peninsula, there was born a man whose name is perhaps more widely known as the founder of a religious movement. His name is Mohammed. And when we think of Islam, we think of Mohammed. There are some things about the religion with which Muhammad is so closely identified that I profoundly admire because they are almost perfect reflections of what my religion teaches. Some of his pillars are precisely my pillars. There's one God. And my religious persuasion tells me there's one God. Deuteronomy chapter six, reading verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The jews say that today in their prayer the shema there is one god i believe that another pillar of the islamic faith prayer they say five times a day i wish more christians would pray at least twice a day i try to pray as many times as i can on my knees walking in the supermarket on the plane in the bus before coming up here i believe in prayer It is not an Islamic invention, but I admire the man who elevated prayer as a discipline. Jesus says the same thing. He said, pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Luke 18 verse 1. I believe in praying. I believe in fasting. Bible says some demons are not driven out, but by prayer and fasting, the affliction of the soul, deliberately bringing upon a person a sense of deprivation, feeling the cry of the flesh and saying no, so that in that experience we may participate in the experience of Christ when he for a whole lifetime said no to the cry of the flesh. I believe in fasting, let us remove the religion from fasting. Fasting has physiological benefits and you know that. There are those who do research in uh, longevity and anti-aging and they say that one of the principal causes of a long life is caloric restriction, eat less. Eating less is a cousin of fasting. So I believe in fasting. I believe in giving alms to the poor, and Islam believes that. The Bible says the poor you have with you always. It is a principle of understanding that it is better to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give. For in taking care of the needs of the poor, we come out of ourselves. We must consider the conditions of others. And like Jesus Christ who left an elevated position to come to save the poor, you and me. We must find a place in our hearts for the poor. And this man, Muhammad, founded a religion that places a premium on taking care of the needs of the poor. My clock says 28 minutes to 1 don't panic please you shall be out by 10 minutes to one the fifth pillar that i admire make a pilgrimage yes i confess i have no desire To make a pilgrimage to mecca i wouldn't mind seeing it but my primary desire is to make a pilgrimage to the holy land to see where jesus walked and the disciples walked so the concept of pilgrimage is important to me i made a pilgrimage to new york to see the farm of william miller I intend to make a pilgrimage to Battle Creek to see the burial site of Ellen Gould White. There are sites to which we ought to consider making pilgrimages as an expression of respect for the past and those who gave their lives that we may now enjoy the quality of life we enjoy, whether materially or spiritually. I believe in prayer. I believe in one God. I believe in fasting. I believe in giving alms to the poor and I believe that we ought to have great respect for what we call holy sites and holy places. And in 632, Muhammad died. About 4 BC, a man was born called Jesus Christ, whom I also admire. He taught many of the things taught by Confucius, by Buddha, by Mohammed, and I dare say by even some of the Jewish rabbis. He taught. There are people of whom we know nothing, who have expressed deep truth that are consistent with the truths that Jesus himself preached. We may not know who they are, but we know that truth does not have a zip code that only uh, really uh, restricts it to California. Or to Michigan or to the United States. Truth, if it originates from God, has a universal quality to it. This man, Jesus Christ, was born. And like Buddha, like Confucius, like Mohammed, his name is associated with a religion, you may call it a philosophy, a way of life. It is called Christianity like confucius he was ridiculed like buddha he was ridiculed like mohammed he was ridiculed driven out of his homeland he suffered what they suffered he experienced the pain of preaching and having very few people listen confucius died believing he was a failure no doubt buddha probably felt the same way when Muhammad died he could not count over 1 billion followers as is the case today these men died not having seen the full flowering of their perspiring efforts when Jesus died there were a few disciples locked in an upper room scared to death when he rose the number was not much larger there are parallels in their lives and as Confucius died And as Buddha died, having lived a fuller life as they possibly could, and as the prophet of Islam died, Jesus died. I am not comparing one with the other. I am simply giving a long line of individuals, whether man or woman, that I sincerely admire for certain qualities in their lives and certain accomplishments that are attributed to them. But all people have favorites. Your favorite basketball team is probably the Lakers or the Clippers. Your favorite football team is probably the Los Angeles Raiders. Mine is a team that requires much prayer, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> we have favorites. When you go to the cafeteria you don't take everything that's present despite your desire perhaps to do so you have favorite foods you have favorite friends Jesus died like Confucius Jesus died like Buddha I mean died dead buried Jesus died like a prophet of Islam but the record tells me And the scientific evidence is that Jesus Christ came back from the dead. Now, this requires a second look. It does not diminish the admiration all others deserve. It does not diminish the admiration. But this man who died and came back. How can someone die and come back? Being raised from the dead is not a novel event. There are people, when Jesus walked this earth, he raised people from the dead. He raised Lazarus. He raised the son of the widow from Nain. He raised Jairus' daughter. When Jesus returned to his origin, a heavenly one, Peter. In acts chapter 9 verse 40 he raised dorcas from the dead paul in acts chapter 20 verses 8 through 12 he was preaching and he preached so long that a, long, a young boy who was sitting in an elevated window three floors up he fell asleep during paul's sermon can you imagine that someone falling asleep during paul's sermon and he died paul raised him from the dead there is an account And I believe in 2 Kings, where Elijah, after he died, he was buried. And a dead man was thrown into Elijah's sepulcher. When the dead body touched the bones of Elijah, the Bible says that man came back to life. So coming back to life is not so much a novelty. Jesus raised people, Paul raised people. Elijah raised people, Elisha raised people. But I want us to take a closer look at this event of Christ coming back from the grave. It is not simply he came back from the grave. He was not resurrected from the grave. I want you to understand he raised himself from the grave. Now that is entirely different. Paul raised Dorcas but cannot raise himself because he's still in the grave. Uh, Paul raised Eutychus, I should say, Peter raised Dorcas. But Peter himself cannot raise himself. Elisha raised someone from the grave. Elisha is in a sepulchre. But Jesus Christ raised himself. Now why do I say that? In the book of John chapter 10, reading from verse 16, and I read publicly from the King James Version, the Bible says, Other sheep have I, this is Jesus Christ speaking, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, notice the wording, I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Verse 18, no man taketh it from me. 20 minutes to 1. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself, says Jesus Christ. And verse 18 of John 10 concludes this way. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. What Jesus is saying, I, even before he died, he made it clear. When I die, I will raise myself. When the Jews came to Pilate. Matthew 27, verse 62 to 66. They said, we heard that deceiver while he was yet alive say, in three days I will rise again. They heard him say it. And they said, command therefore that a sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal his body away and tell the people he's risen. How can a man raise himself? Because Jesus was not only a man listen to me please this is a brotherly request jesus was a man who was also god now you may say preacher prove it i can't prove it i don't know everything about god jesus being god and man nor do you know anything know everything about a cell you don't know everything about the 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 genes you don't know everything about a protein you know everything about a, a, a. enzyme why do you demand that i know everything about the combination of human and divine i don't need to know but i accept it by faith because no one has ever accused jesus christ of being a liar he's been accused of being mad yes he's been accused of being demon possessed yes john 8. bible scholars don't accuse him of being a liar he said i will raise myself from the grave and he did Now, if Jesus has the power to raise himself from the grave, if he in himself has this inexplicable power to reverse death, the thing we fear most is death. That's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might deliver them who had the power of death. He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We are born with a fear of death. Here is a man who died. And in dying, he destroyed death. And he came back. Now he says to you, what problem is it you have that I can't fix? If your problem is addiction to alcohol, is an alcoholic addiction a greater problem to solve than raising someone from the dead? Is your addiction a sexual addiction? Am I to understand that your sexual addiction or mine is a greater problem for God than Jesus Christ raising himself from the dead? No! The comparison does not exist. Death, in the eyes of a human being, is the world's greatest impossibility from the standpoint of reversing it. And Jesus said, I reversed death and I can reverse that addiction. I reverse death and I can reverse the temptation that has humbled you for years and prostrated you and weakened your expression of the abilities that God has so lavishly bestowed upon you. If I can raise myself, I can raise you. What I am saying quite simply, that Jesus Christ has within himself the power to deliver you from any bondage that now restricts the full expression of your humanity as God desires it. The simple thing you and I need to do is come to this Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I heard you have this power at a quarter to one and I need some of that power in my life. I want you to think, here's a corpse. If you were standing in a morgue, and a corpse got up and you were in a wheelchair you would get out that chair and run because that is not supposed to happen are you listening to me? there are some people by the quality of the lives they have led we view them as hopeless cases they're shut away in prisons they go from one rehabilitation program to the next, one marriage to the next, one sin to the next, one career to the next, chasing a life of fulfillment that seems almost out of reach. It's like a cow on a 19-foot rope and water is 20 feet away. Jesus says, I have the power to extend that rope to full 20 feet and then two more feet and I demonstrated that power not necessarily by raising Lazarus that was not the highest demonstration not by cleansing the lepers that was not the highest demonstration I know my time is going four minutes not by Calming the storm on the sea. That was not the highest demonstration. The highest demonstration of my power was my raising of myself from the grave. Yes, there are Bible texts that say the father raised him. But the Bible simply means the father claims responsibility. Because he issued the command. And Jesus, while he was dead, he heard the command. And he raised himself. The same way Lazarus, when he was dead, he heard the command of Jesus. And he got up. Mysteries, but realities nonetheless. And that... Power, I say is available to you no one has any acceptable excuse for moral failure no one because there is a source of power available to give you victory that lasts now and in the eternal years to come You must understand, when I speak, I speak to you from my heart as your brother, having never met most of you. But I know if you try what I'm telling you, your life will change profoundly. And with the change of your life, as it is witnessed by those around you, their lives will change. The domino effect of deliverance and so I say to you how many of you are glad you came today quickly raise your right hand you're glad you came God bless you I am particularly delighted that God sent me tonight I will say things I could not say now because of the constriction of time make every human effort to come tonight ask God to make a way for you take leave from your work and come tonight I will repeat this but i will say things i did not have time to say how many of you listening to me will say 12 minutes to one preacher what you said touch me just touch me pray for me please for whatever reason preacher i want you to pray for me simply raise your right hand again god bless you i mean that god bless you god bless you take your hands down every head bowed our father in heaven we come to you in the name of jesus The Jesus who raised himself and by so doing demonstrated his possession of power to raise us from any problem we have, to break the bonds of slavery, addiction, In the name of this Jesus, who by his self-resurrection demonstrated that he indeed was divine, that he was not just human, but he was also God. In his name, dear God, I ask you to bless those who raise their hands. Father, I know you exist. I know your son exists. I know your spirit exists and your guardian angel exists. And Father, honor this little faith of mine and bless my brothers and sisters who raise their hands. And for those who didn't, Lord, you bless them as well. Please, do that. Show them quickly that you exist, that you live, that you love them, and you desire to save them. Do that for them, I pray. Bring them back tonight. I offer this prayer from my heart in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you. Do well in your studies. Do well at work. Drive safely. May God bless your families. I will see you tonight.